Welcome back to the Hemingway List podcast for book 6, chapter 15. Do you personally think Natasha will manage an introduction with Prince Andre? And do you think Natasha is well prepared for this ball? How do you think she will manage interacting with some of the other characters we already know? I, for one, am pretty excited about this ball. I love it when a book does this. They introduce all these characters and they kind of have little run-ins with each other and they're all in their little groups and their little cliques and then they do the scene where everyone gets together at some kind of party or, you know, in this case, a, uh, a ball and we got Pierre, we got Prince Andre, we got Helena, we got Natasha, we got the Rostovs, we got Boris, we got everyone. They're all there under one roof. And I don't know, it's an exciting little playground. Korsho said, Maya Antonovna Narashikna is mentioned twice in this chapter. She was the mistress of Emperor Alexander I. And apparently there's a picture of her here. Oh, yeah. Bit of an old school babe, a bit of an 1800s babe. And very rosy cheeks. Cool. She's the one that everyone said was just like the most beautiful woman ever. M dash 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 C says, I think that's despite that despite Natasha's childlike over exuberance, she'll be a huge hit at this party. Everyone will be talking about society's new it girl. Her enthusiasm for life is infectious. And that guy you know says, It's fitting, as we round the corner from some of the most boring chapters in the book, featuring the intellectual dryness of Pierre and Andre, that we would be then graced with the most charming character in the book so far in Natasha. Her infectious happiness and youthfulness have left me in a happy mood after finishing these past few chapters. I hope we stay with her for a while, or at least return to her periodically throughout the book. As for her situation with Boris, I think that she will have no problem finding potential suitors, but I do wonder who would want to marry since her family is financially in shambles. Also, one last thing, this chapter almost felt like a pop quiz or a are you paying attention moment from Tolstoy. How many characters were named slash described in just the last few paragraphs? I certainly didn't catch them all, and we'll need to listen again. I love it. I love it. I love when they get all the characters and just chuck them into one situation together. It's a very exciting part of the book. Let's see what happens next at this ball in Chapter 16. Suddenly, everybody stirred, began talking and pressed forward, and then back and between the two rows which separated, the Emperor entered to the sounds of music that had immediately struck up. Behind him walked his host and hostess. He walked in rapidly, bowing to right and left as if anxious to get the first moments of the reception over. The band played the Polonaise in vogue at that time on account of the words that had been set to it, beginning Alexander, Elisa Vita, all our hearts, you ravish quite. The Emperor passed on to the drawing room, the crowd made a rush for the doors, and several persons with excited faces hurried there and back again. Then the crowd hastily retired from the drawing room door, at which the Emperor reappeared talking to the hostess. A young man looking distraught pounced down on the ladies, asking them to move aside. Some ladies, with faces betraying complete forgetfulness of all the rules of decorum, pushed forward to the detriment of their toilets. 
The men began to choose partners and take their places for the polonaise. Everyone moved back and the emperor came smiling out of the drawing room, leading his hostess by the hand, but not quite keeping time to the music. The host followed with Maya Anatonovna Narishitna. Then came ambassadors, ministers and various generals, whom Peronskaya diligently named. More than half the ladies already had partners and were taking up or preparing to take up their positions for the Polonaise. Natasha felt that she would be left with her mother and Sonia among a minority of women who crowded near the wall, not having been invited to dance. She stood with her slender arms hanging down, her scarcely defined bosom rising and falling regularly, and with bated breath and glittering frightened eyes, gazed straight before her, evidently prepared for the height of joy or misery. She was not concerned about the emperor or any of those great people whom Perenskaya was pointing out. She had but one thought. Is it possible no one will ask me that I shall not be among the first to dance? Is it possible that no one of all these men will notice me? They do not even seem to see me, or if they do, they look as if they were saying, ah, she's not the one I'm after, so it's not worth looking at her. No, it's impossible, she thought. They must know how I long to dance, how splendidly I dance, and how they would enjoy dancing with me. The strains of the Polonaise, which had continued for a considerable time, had begun to sound like a sad reminiscence to Natasha's ears. She wanted to cry. Perenskaya had left them. The Count was at the other end of the room. She and the Countess and Sonia were standing by themselves, as in the depths of a forest amid that crowd of strangers, with no one interested in them, and not wanted by anyone. Prince Andre, with a lady, passed by, evidently not recognising them. The handsome Anatole was smilingly talking to a partner on his arm and looked at Natasha as one looks at a wall. Boris passed them twice and each time turned away. Berg and his wife, who were not dancing, came up to them. This family gathering seemed humiliating to Natasha, as if there were nowhere else for the family to talk but here at a ball. She did not listen to or look at Vera, who was telling her something about her own green dress. At last the Emperor stopped beside his last partner, he had danced with three, and the music ceased. A worried aide-de-camp ran up to the Rostovs, requesting them to stand further back, though as it was they were already close to the wall, and from the gallery resounded the distinct, precise, enticingly rhythmical strains of a waltz. The Emperor looked smilingly down the room, a minute passed, but no one had yet begun dancing. An aide-de-camp, the master of ceremonies, went up to the Countess Bezukova and asked her to dance. She smilingly raised her hand and laid it on his shoulder without looking at him. The aide-de-camp, an adept in his art, grasping his partner firmly round her waist with confident deliberation, started smoothly, gliding first round the edge of the circle, then at the centre of the room he caught Helena's left hand and turned her the only sound audible, apart from the ever-quickening music being the rhythmic click of the spurs in his rapid, agile feet, while at every third beat his partner's velvet dress spread out and seemed to flash as she whirled around. Natasha gazed at them and was ready to cry because it was not she who was dancing that first turn of the waltz. Prince Andre, in the white uniform of a cavalry colonel wearing stockings and dancing shoes, stood looking animated and bright in the front row of the circle not far from the Rostovs, Baron Firov was talking to him about the first sitting of the Council of State to be held next day. 
Prince Andrei as one closely connected with Speransky and participating in the work of the Legislative Commission, could give reliable information about that sitting concerning which various rumours were current. But, not listening to what Firov was saying, he was gazing now at the Sovereign and now at the men intending to dance who had not yet gathered courage to enter the circle. Prince Andrei was watching these men abashed by the Emperor's presence and the women who were breathlessly longing to be asked to dance. Pierre came up to him and caught him by the arm. You always dance. I have a protege, the young Rostova. Here, ask her, he said. Where is she? asked Bolkonsky. Excuse me, he added, turning to the Baron. We will finish this conversation elsewhere. At a ball, one must dance. He stepped forward in the direction Pierre indicated. The despairing, dejected expression of Natasha's face caught his eye. He recognized her, guessed her feelings, saw that it was her debut, remembered her conversation at the window, and with an expression of pleasure on his face approached Countess Rostova. Allow me to introduce you to my daughter, said the Countess, with heightened color. I have the pleasure of being already acquainted, if the Countess remembers me, said Prince Andre, with a low and courteous bow, quite belying Perenskaya's remarks about his rudeness, and approaching Natasha, he held out his arm to grasp her waist before he had completed his invitation. He asked her to waltz. That tremulous expression on Natasha's face, prepared either for despair or rapture, suddenly brightened into a happy, grateful, childlike smile. I have long been waiting for you, that frightened, happy little girl seemed to say by the smile that replaced the threatened tears as she raised her hand to Prince André's shoulder. They were the second couple to enter the circle. Prince André was one of the best dancers of his day, and Natasha danced exquisitely. Her little feet, in their white satin dancing shoes, did their work swiftly, lightly, and independently of herself, while her face beamed with ecstatic happiness. Her slender bare arms and neck were not beautiful compared to Helena's, her shoulders looked thin and her bosom undeveloped, but Helena seemed, as it were, hardened by a varnish left by the thousands of looks that had scanned her person, while Natasha was like a girl exposed for the first time, who would have felt very much ashamed, had she not been assured that this was absolutely necessary. Prince Andre liked dancing, and wishing to escape as quickly as possible from the political and clever talk with which everyone addressed to him, wishing also to break up the circle of restraint he disliked, caused by the Emperor's presence, he danced, and had chosen Natasha because Pierre pointed her out to him, and because she was the first pretty girl who caught his eye. But scarcely had he embraced that slender, supple figure, and felt her stirring so close to him and smiling so near him, than the wine of her charm rose to his head, and he felt himself revived and rejuvenated when, after leaving her, he stood, breathing deeply and watching the others dan the other dancers. Oh, screwed up the very last couple of words. <laughs> Isn't that always the way? Watching the other dancers. There you go. There's another chapter for you. What a chapter. Great chapter. I felt like I was there. I felt like I was being asked to dance by the handsome Prince Andre. <laughs> All right, guys. Have your say about the chapter on the subreddit. Thanks for listening, and I will see you tomorrow.